In this edition of Hoopsology, we welcome the host of Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns podcast, and a managing editor of the Bright Side of the Sun, Dave King. In this episode, Dave discusses what is behind the Suns' winning streak, DeAndre Aiden's improved play, the latest concerning the Robert Sarver investigation, Chris Paul, and a lot more. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter, lose a review on iTunes, and email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We are a proud member of the OTG Basketball Network. And now, Dave Kick. He is the host of the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns podcast, and he is the managing editor of The Bright Side of the Sun. We welcome Dave King onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Dave? Oh, I'm doing great today. Thank you so much for having me on here. And thanks for coming on to the show and great timing um, with the Suns getting a massive victory over the, the Golden State Warriors, a very entertaining game to watch. And I just want to get your perspective overall on the Suns because I feel like they're one of the most disrespected teams in the league. And full disclosure, that includes myself, just because just watching you know the season play out in my mind, like it's kind of a foregone conclusion that like the Warriors, you know, at, at least before this game played out yesterday, that they're going to be at least in the finals. And then you have to remember, what about the Suns? They're in the finals last year. I mean, what do you I have to tell myself? What are you doing? Like totally disrespecting this team. So is that kind of the feeling around, you know, with Suns fans that this squad is overall disrespected ever since the bubble? I, I would argue they're the hottest team since, you know, the pandemic first started. I mean, there's such a a massive turnaround with this franchise and now seeing them be a, a top title contender. What's your feeling overall with this team, you know, heading into kind of the Christmas break? Well, I mean, the Suns do have the most wins in the NBA since the start of the bubble. <laughs> no team has won more games than the Suns uh, since, uh, since that bubble started. Even if you take the bubble out, no team has more wins than the Suns. And obviously, this year alone, no team has more wins than, than the Suns. So um, I don't know about the disrespect. It, it's easy to say, hey, you're disrespecting me if you don't think I'm going to win the finals. Uh, I don't think that's a lot of disrespect. I think what it is 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 folks are not it, – it's just been such a meteoric rise for the Suns from being a really bad team for 10 straight years and having the same uh, – we made a comment. We we made a note the uh, last night when the Suns won their 17th game in a row, defeating the Golden State Warriors after having won their 16th game in a row, defeating the Brooklyn Nets, the top two teams in each conference, and now the Suns have the league's best record. Uh, we did make a uh, – we were talking to DeAndre Ayton and Mikkel Bridges uh, post game after last night. Those two guys, along with Devin Booker, were on the 2018-19 team that lost 17 in a row and had only won 19 games all year. And the question was asked, first of all, do you remember losing 17 in a row? And those guys are like, Oh yeah. And then the second question was, which was, which felt longer the uh, 17 game losing streak or the 17 game winning streak. And they both immediately said, obviously the 17 game losing streak felt like forever. Whereas this 17 game win streak feels like a blip in the, uh, you know, blip on the radar. So, same core, uh, and and you could say, well, we just added Chris Paul, so obviously that Chris Paul is the difference maker for the Suns. No, they all the other players around them got better, coaching got better, the organization got better, player development got better, everything got better and contributed. Suns fans back then knew that the talent on the team was better than nineteen and sixty two or sixty three, uh, uh, but we none of us thought 
that this team would tie a franchise record for wins in a row. So your overall question is, are the Suns being disrespected? Even our own fan base is uh, occasionally going, uh, what's happening here? Why are they really this good? And every single chance they get, the Suns are proving that they really are this good. So in terms of last night's game, what do you take out of kind of what she observed in, in a future kind of Western Conference, you know, finals matchup between these two teams? Does DeAndre Aiden, this guy kind of give them the edge in terms of the Suns having the advantage in the middle? Obviously, Steph Curry shooting Wells, that was an admiration, but still the Suns are a very formidable opponent against the Warriors. So in terms of stacking the teams up, you know, full strength if Clay does return, how do you measure the Suns' chances in a kind of potential seven-game matchup in the playoffs? Yeah, uh, look, I, I it would I would be uh, making things up to say that I can see another team easily beating the Suns because they proved it last year. They won three straight rounds in the playoffs, and skeptics thought they would lose every one of those rounds. Um, and so the Suns have already proven that they can win big games. They proved on Tuesday night they can win big. The Golden State Warriors, for everybody who wants to say, oh, they're without Klay Thompson, they're not full full strength. True, absolutely. But the not full strength Golden State Warriors were 18-2 and two and had set almost uh, the best 20-game start in league history uh, with their point differential in the 18-2 and two record just about. So how you can say Klay Thompson would make them appreciably better, I don't know. He does make them more sustainable. Obviously, Clay is better, uh, more proven in big moments than a Jordan Poole is, for example. But um, having said all that, Jordan Poole was, uh, has been really good this year, and other players on the Warriors have been really good this year, and they're going to grow, and they're going to get better, and they're going to learn how to win in, in clutch moments. And Clay will return, and, and the Warriors will be more sustainable to where uh, you don't, you know, you, you can't hope that their players will uh, shrink in the spotlight. So my answer to your question is, do I look forward to the Suns and the Warriors in the conference finals? I absolutely do. And I absolutely think the Suns can win that because they grind so much. Um, Suns fans probably won't like this, but I, I really do equate the the Suns uh, more to the uh, 2000 Spurs than I do the seven seconds or less Suns uh, because the Spurs were just the Borg and the Spurs did not get the same media coverage that other teams did. Uh, they got reverence and they got respect and they had that 20 year run where they didn't miss the playoffs and had five championships in that span. And the Suns can only hope to have something along that line at some point, but the Spurs were never the leading story uh, until the playoffs hit. And uh, so the Sun Sand should not be too worried if they're not the leading story right now. Um, but I definitely think the Suns can win any series. And they're already working on shoring up the things that lost them the Bucks series by playing faster and getting more easy buckets uh, in transition and focusing on even more on transition defense than before, uh, because that's another way the Bucks hurt them. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, short answer to your question is I definitely think the Suns are, are formidable and, and can win any series. Can you give your assessment on Aiden? Um, just, we're a quarter way through the season, and just in terms of all of his contract issues that he's currently you know dealing with, 
What has that done in terms of his motivation coming into this season and also the chemistry of the Suns as well? Has that been a factor in terms, uh, obviously in terms of the record, obviously not, but just in terms of kind of behind the scenes in terms of how this team gels, has that weighed negatively or possibly on this team regarding Aiden's contract status? You know, I was worried that it would. So when, when the Suns and Aiden did not uh, come to an agreement before the season started and everybody else did, they gave Landry Shamit an extension, never having played a game with the Suns. They gave, obviously, Mikel Bridges that extension that is turns out it may end up being a bargain for them. Uh, they re-signed Chris Paul. They re-signed Campaign. They did everything they needed to do, checked every box off, but left the top one. Well, one of the top ones. Uh, re-signing Chris Paul was probably the top need mm-hmm. but um getting DeAndre Aiden locked up on an easy no-brainer max extension was the simplest thing they could have done this summer and they didn't do it so and uh, uh DeAndre Aiden obviously he came in and, and said he was disappointed uh with with how things went and then a rumor came out that was later debunked that um uh basically Robert Sarver the owner had thought Aiden was lazy and was using that against Aiden in the in the contract talks, but then the person who who said that uh, retracted it two days mm-hmm. later and and has re- has hardly been seen since on on ESPN. So um, it's interesting that that um, Aiden comes in with all of this problem, all of this distraction, and yet as soon as the game started, he's been playing great. He's playing mm-hmm. better than last year. He's not distracting the team. Every post-game, pre-game interview, every practice interview, he's the same dude that he's always been. In fact, um, just getting better and and finding out more about his game than he's ever had uh, uh, in his bag, basically adding more things. Like he's, the Suns just talk about it. Chris Paul talks about it. Is him just realizing how good he is, and and living up to that, and, and and owning it on every play, and he's doing that more and more every single um every single game um and he's back to you know he's he's he is a max player and he's going to get a max contract it's just a matter of will the suns force another team to make the offer to match you know so they can match it is the question but he has not been a distraction and neither has a has the has the rumors uh somehow the suns winning streak started when the rumor broke you mentioned robert sauver and i just wanted to kind of get your assessment in terms of has there been anything new just with the investigation and then overall just your overall opinion of how the news was released in terms of some tweets just in terms of hey there's gonna be this massive report and it took forever for that report to come out it does and just everything going on it just seems just kind of peculiar at least to me just being an outside observer of this entire situation um what is your kind of overall opinion of kind of this overall kind of investigation regarding sarver and the best of your prediction, what do you see kind of the, that's the final outcome of this? Sure. Uh, you know, as far as timing, I I think the timing was simply that the, uh, reporter needed to gather all of his, his material and sources. Uh, Apparently the article was, was, uh, in the works last year. And, um, could have been released at any point in the past several months. And the timing of it, I'm not entirely sure what what caused the timing to come out that particular Friday of that particular week. But it had been rumored for a while. And as you know, um, um, another another dude scooped the reporter who was writing the article saying it was coming out. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if I was as being in media, 
I'd be pretty pissed if I had worked the past year on an article breaking news and someone else goes, hey, an article's coming and, and took credit for it. Yeah. And now his name is, is potentially even more um, on the tip of the tongue than the guy who wrote the article and did all the investigative work and got all this going and a full uh, official league investigation going. And that's a real shame. Baxter Holmes did all the work on this. So somebody else shouldn't be getting credit for it. Um, now, as far as timing, I don't know about the timing. Any timing would have been bad. Um, if it had come out last year during the playoffs, it would have been bad. Uh, over the summer would have been bad. So it doesn't matter, I think, when it, when it came out. Um, the fact that it has come out after the news got leaked that it was going to, and it still came out. I think the fact that it took another two weeks was simply because we had to cross our T's and dot our I's 100% because the Suns are already mounting the defense um, uh, against the, against the article. And so, um, and to have it still come out shows that there's, there is some relevance to it. The NBA starting an investigation, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of let's get it right. Let's get the facts right. Let's interview these people separately and let's get them on record uh, with lawyers and all that. Um, so the investigation is officially starting. It's by the same legal group that investigated the rumors against Mark Cuban and his folks in Dallas, the same legal group that investigated the Atlanta Hawks owners uh, racist comments, the same group that investigated uh, Donald Sterling's uh, transgressions. The big difference here with the Suns is every one of those prior um, uh, investigations had a quote unquote smoking gun. They had an email or mm -hmm. a voicemail or all of the above. Um, and in Cuban's case, the reason Cuban didn't really get anything bad done to him uh, was because there wasn't any evidence against him in particular. He just seemed like the rube who, who owned the team and is otherwise the most engaged owner in the history of sports. And yet somehow he didn't know anything about the, the rumors of misogyny and the company. But that aside, there was no actual evidence. And so nothing actually happened to Mark Cuban. And I feel like unless evidence uh, comes up on Robert Sarver, we're going to have the same outcome with him and uh with that whole investigation not producing any actual evidence um that's that's a big problem uh for uh prosecutors anyway and so we'll see what happens uh it could very well be that the evidence is being withheld until uh non-disclosure agreements were um you know cleared of of uh you know cleared out because right now the latest is that the uh, investigators want to talk to those folks who left and had signed non-disclosure agreements um, upon leaving um, that they wouldn't talk about why they left the Suns in exchange for getting paid some sums of money, whether it was just paid off vacation, whether it was extra salary, whatever it was. Um, many of these employees weren't going on record with the ESPN reporter because they had signed a non-disclosure agreement saying they wouldn't talk about it. Now a legal investigation may clear that hurdle and allow them to talk. Um, but um, Baxter Holmes just reported the other day that that's even still iffy. So if, if those NDAs don't get cleared and those people can't talk, then it's going to be even harder to do anything. Now, do I think any of this is true? I have no clue. I have no clue. I think uh, the likelihood is that some uncomfortable statements were made at uncomfortable times uh, and unexpected times. 
And that kind of thing doesn't belong in a workplace. Do I believe it's something that causes you to move on from an owner entirely? Uh, I don't know that it goes that far. Um, but we won't know until the investigation happens. Do you think there will be any long-term repercussions in terms of kind of the player ownership relationship moving forward? Obviously, on the court, it doesn't seem to affect them. But when it comes for contract negotiations or just free agents wanting to come to Phoenix, will this play any kind of a factor in terms of like future players' decisions regarding that front? Um, from what I can gather, and this is just uh, you know the kind of hearsay you hear in hallways. Um, and okay, so first of all. The players have all said they've never heard any of this kind of talk from Robert Sarver directly. So the players have gone on record in interviews saying, A, no, I've never heard of this. DeAndre Aiden, Devin Booker, Chris Paul have all directly said that that has happened. In, and what that is, is, is racist comments have happened in front of them. Um, and even misogyny of, you know, of, of uh, treating women as lesser. Uh, he, he hadn't done any of that in front of these players as far as what they're saying on record. And what uh, Chris Paul said is, we're not going to get bothered by that. We're just going to play basketball. And he said he learned from prior experience. So his prior, what's his prior experience? Well, he was the starting point guard for the Los Angeles Clippers when the Donald Sterling thing broke. And if you want to talk about timing, bad timing, that <laughs> broke at the beginning of the playoffs. Sure did. And at that time, Chris Paul... Um, took a stance, and obviously that evidence was a lot more clear, right? Uh, there were voicemails that were released by Donald Sterling's girlfriend uh, that showed how racist he was in, in his own words. And Chris Paul and the team uh, almost boycotted playoff games. You know, that's how affected they were. And, of course, that did impact their ability to play effectively in the playoffs when they were a favorite to uh, get through the uh, conference finals, at least if not the finals. So this time, Chris Paul says, I've learned my lesson. I've learned not a lesson. Uh, that's a bad way to put it, but I've learned that you can't let it affect you on the court. You, whatever you do off the court, you do off the court, but you can't let it affect you when, when the whistle blows and you're ready to play basketball. Uh, and uh, the Suns obviously have not let it distract them on the court at all. But um, overall, the general manager, the coach, the main players have all said they haven't witnessed any of that, uh, um, any of that behavior directly. But that doesn't mean um, that it hasn't happened. We just don't know. I want to shift gears and talk about Devin Booker. Um, he suffered a hamstring injury um, in, in last night's game as we're recording this on December 1st. Um, do you know the severity of the injury? Um, I know it's pretty early, but do you think it would have any kind of long-reaching consequences, or do you think he'll, it, he'll just get some treatment and be ready to go, even if he has to miss um, the Suns' next game? Um, do, you, do you think there's any kind of long-term effects of that injury, or do you think it's just kind of a little bit of an admiration? Uh, Devin Booker has had hamstring pulls before and uh, where that it depends on obviously the severity is is undetermined at this point. Uh, we asked Monty Williams after the game. He said he didn't know they, they had to do x-rays and stuff like that. Um, Booker um, has had hamstring pulls before and uh, he'd had one in the finals actually. Uh, that he, he missed uh, the uh, last quarter of game three where the Suns lost that first of their of their four straight losses, but, and then he, uh, he immediately came back in in game four. And I think he put up 40 points in that game. Uh, so there's that. And then there's a time where he pulled a hammy and was out two weeks. 
So we don't know. Earlier, this what the Suns have been is very conservative so far, even this year. Um, they uh, they sat DeAndre Ayton for uh, two weeks with a uh, with a with a bang knee. Uh, nothing structurally wrong, but they wanted to make sure he was totally clean and had no pain before he came back and played. And he's been great since he came back. They kept uh, campaign out after he pulled a hamstring in game two of the season and he missed two weeks. Uh, and he said they definitely kept him out an extra week beyond him feeling any pain just to make sure he was ready to come back. Uh, it wouldn't re-injure. So I would not, ex- I, I expect the Suns to be very cautious with Booker and uh, the fact that they didn't fall apart without him on Tuesday night against the Warriors shows that they can play without him and still compete. So uh, they've had some injuries. They're very conservative usually about them. And when players come back, they don't get re-injured. So I think that's what we'll see with Booker. I want to ask you, what is your kind of overall assessment of Chris Paul? Uh, Because I just think his longevity, his leadership, and just – his overall play has kind of been unmatched. And I think, you know, talking about kind of the disrespect, I do feel like he's been very underrated throughout his entire career, not really truly appreciated for what he can bring onto the court. What is kind of your assessment of Chris Paul? And when it's all said and done, what's kind of going to be kind of your opinion on, I guess, the summary of his career? Because I, I think it, it's quite underrated in terms of comparing him to his peers. Well, uh, he, okay, so in the past year since joining the Suns, he has met a ton of milestones, and uh, the the I think the most impressive one to me is that he is the first player with his number of points, rebounds, and steals. Oh no, sorry, points, assists, and steals in his career. He's the only player who's done that combination. Um, he's reached five, six thousand of each of those on the uh, assists and steals. He's he's one of the top five ever in each of those categories independently. And then scoring the 20,000 points puts him in rare air as well, uh, that that guys who get the assistance deals don't always hit that 20,000. So um, it's it's pretty incredible what he's done over his career. And the fact that he is still so effective uh, just on Tuesday night at uh, 36 going on 37 years old, he decided uh, he's what he's what he does these days is he plays a little bit of possum in the first half where he just kind of lets everyone else take shots. He'll make take one or two shots um, early, and that's about it. And then in the second half, if the Suns need him, he'll go on a run where he'll make um, five or six shots in a row or take five or six shots in a row, and he's generally been extremely good in those situations. Um, he's, he's just incredible uh, as a player. He's so impressive as a teammate. I don't know if he's evolved over the years um, into a nicer (laughs) person, (laughs) but the Suns absolutely adore Chris Paul. They think he's the great, he walks on water and uh, he's proven that he plays like he walks on water. He doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk, Uh, but he has huge fans in Monty Williams, who he played for a decade ago and Devin Booker, who uh, you could have, you know, if uh, a different star, like uh, Chris Paul has played diff- next to different stars that have not appreciated him after a while. Uh, they get, they get tired of his constant nagging over every single play. Um, he, he has soured relationships eventually with a number of, of, of uh, top 10 players in the league. You know, when he's played next to them, James Harden and, and Blake Griffin and guys like that. And even Deandre Jordan, I think at one point, um, now coming to the Suns, 
everyone just loves him and they can't get enough of his constant grind and they're embodying his constant grind. So my impression of Chris Paul is he's one of the top 20 players in the history of the league. He did make the top 75 in the history of the yeah. league, um, but he's never going to get quite the top 20 recognition because he's, he's a small guy, you know, uh, for some reason we, we hold that against people, even though they play big. And uh, so he's got one of the best guys ever. Dave, um, one last question for you. I think when looking at the Phoenix Suns, I think ever since the pandemic has started, I think they have been the franchise has been one of the major stories within the NBA. And I, I want to ask you in terms of the fan base, kind of going from what you mentioned earlier with kind of going through this rebuilding and this trusting kind of the core of this team to eventually now becoming a title contender. What has kind of the, the feelings of the fan base been within Phoenix in terms of, you know, having that in arena experience being taken away during to this once in a lifetime event to when the fans return now all of a sudden they're a massive title contender one of the mainstays within the western conference what has that kind of roller coaster been like for the fan base of phoenix well it's certainly woken up the town again now this has always been a basketball town in phoenix the suns were good they made the finals way back in 76 uh, they had the um, uh, Charles Barkley years and before that, the Kevin Johnson and Tom Chambers years where they were a conference finalist like three out of six years and made the finals once uh, during the late 80s, early 90s. Then they were good again. Obviously, the Steve Nash years were just incredible with a seven seconds or less. So this has always been a basketball town. It's just that it goes dormant when the team sucks <laughs> and the team sucked for 10 straight years. Um but still the fans were there. They've always been here. And so when the arenas finally the arena finally opened back up and the suns got on, the other thing that's happened is that all over the country, not just in Phoenix, but uh, regional sports programming has become a monopoly where only one, um, you know, station or whatever uh, will, will show, a, show local games that are not nationally covered. And then they limit those, to only certain streaming services and not others, or you got to have cable and you can't have a streaming service here in town. Fewer people than ever were even able to watch the Suns during the bubble. And then again, uh, during uh, the, the early parts of the 2019-20 season, or 21-22 season, yeah. uh, fewer fans than ever were even able to watch them live. But the fan base grew. I know from uh, my blog, brightsideofthesun.com, my podcast, we had more fans than ever during that season. They were very excited. And then when the arena finally opened back up, they just went crazy and sold out immediately and paid whatever prices it took to get into the games. The Suns ticket prices were twice what it was in LA, which is crazy. Wow. Uh, but Suns fans were paying it and sold out every playoff game. And I think they blew all their money because they haven't sold out. They've only sold out once this year in 10, 11 home games. Um, but they're here. The team is the fans have always been here in, in Phoenix. It's always been a basketball town and they're awake now and they love the Suns. And this is a great team to love. So uh, the fan base is super excited. And uh, while they may be a little bit, um, you know, cross your fingers and close your eyes and hope it doesn't go away because it's been so sudden as, as suddenly becoming a finals contender, the, the fan base is, is, is as euphoric as I've ever seen it. Dave, this has been a fantastic chat. 
Um, can you please let our audience know where they can find you on social media and then um, where they can find the podcast, um, just the website you write for, and then um, any other projects you'd be working on as well? Absolutely. You can find me on the Airwaves uh, podcast and YouTube at Sun Solar Panel. Uh, we do uh, two shows a week. Uh, one of them is a live show on Saturday mornings and another one midweek is usually audio only um, on the podcast apps. And then you've got brightsideofthesun.com, which is the biggest Suns fan site out there. And I, I cover the game. I cover the team. I'm at all the games. I interview the players and coaches and all that. And I have a whole host of writers on the site that um, it's, it's a, it's a pretty popular site. Um, brightsideofthesun.com. If you're a Suns fan, definitely check that out. Check out my podcast and you can find me on Twitter at Dave King NBA on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks for Dave. having me on. Thanks very much for your time. Truly appreciate it.